Chicago trial attorney Karen Conti. Good morning, Karen. Let's start with the uh, case of the mother of the Michigan school shooter found guilty on all four counts. Now, the the father was the one who actually got the gun, right? Yeah, he did. Um, but it was interesting. The, jo- the jury foreperson said that what really secured the conviction for the jury was the fact that the mother was the last person to have the gun in her hands. And so that they really thought that was very important in, in the conviction, that she had some opportunity and obligation to store that gun, and she didn't. This uh, sets quite a precedent. This is an important uh, case, isn't it? It really is, because it is the first time that a school shooting um, uh, perpetrator's parent has been held directly responsible for the child's actions. But this, you know, this set of facts, if you look at it, is a very egregious set of facts. I mean, this kid was crying out for help. He was writing stories about how he was going to kill people, you know, and in the middle of all this mental health uh, uh, issue, he, you know, the, the parents do what? They go out and buy him a gun, and then they don't tell the school that he He's got access to it while he's making all these complaints and, and crying out for help. And, and add to it, the parents sound like they had their own issues and their own problems and their own um, you know, disturbances. So mm-hmm. this was just a, a perfect storm for what happened. Maximum sentence, 15 years. Do you think uh, that will be the sentence? Yeah, it's 15 years for each of the counts, and it can be consecutive, and we don't know exactly what the prosecution is going to ask for. My guess is it's going to be somewhere between, uh, I would say, probably between 5 and 15. I mean, the judge could really come down on her, but I don't think it's going to be anywhere near 60. Tomorrow, the Supreme Court will hear arguments that Donald Trump uh, about Donald Trump being removed from the ballot in Colorado. Uh, and most of the legal uh, experts weighing in on this uh, think that uh, the court will will reject that. Do you? Um, I, I do think the court is going to reject it. And I, and I think that the reason is going to be that the, the part of the 14th Amendment that says that a person who engages in insurrection, it says a person shall not hold office. It doesn't say they can't run for office. And I think that's a big distinction. So I think the idea is going to be that if Donald Trump really did start an insurrection and someone was going to have to determine that at some point, that he can run for office, but then somebody would be able to oust him, whether that's the Congress or a court is not specified in the Constitution. But I think the court is not going to determine if he started an insurrection or anything like that. I think it's going to be on this technicality. Do you think the Supreme Court is going to take uh, the case uh, regarding immunity? Uh, The the, uh, Federal Appeals Court in D.C. rejected that argument uh, yesterday. Yeah, you know, I think they might take it just because it's an important case, and it's obviously a case that everyone has their eyes on. I think it's a slam dunk. I don't think a president has immunity, complete immunity from criminal actions. I don't think there's even a good argument on that. But the Supreme Court could take it just to solidify that ruling and to put their stamp of approval on on that issue. The fact that it was a unanimous decision, does that weigh in on the Supreme Court's decision whether to take the case or not? I don't think so. I think the U.S. Supreme Court doesn't care what you know what the both the, the makeup of the uh, the verdict mm-hmm. was. I mean, the ruling was. I, I just don't think they look at it. I think they more look at it in terms of is this something that's very important? Is this something that I, we think they got wrong? Is this something that we should uh, voice our opinion on to kind of make it? Uh, 
you know, just put it in the books that the Supreme Court has now ruled on this issue because the Supreme Court has never ruled on this precise issue before. Uh, Jesse Smollett has filed an appeal to the Illinois Supreme Court. Uh, what, what is his argument here, Karen? Do we know exactly? Well, his argument is that he made a deal with the prosecutors, that they weren't going to prosecute in exchange for him giving up his bail money and doing some community service. He did those things, and then the special prosecutor was appointed and brought charges against him. He said this is double jeopardy. I don't think it's double jeopardy, but it is kind of... It's one of those things where you look at and you say, you really did make the deal. Um, although, you know, I think that's his, going to be his main argument uh, to the Supreme Court. But remember, the Illinois Supreme Court is a court, we call it uh, discretionary jurisdiction, which means that they don't have to take the case. This is a case they could mm-hmm. say, you know what, we're going to leave this one alone. We are not going to even weigh in on it. Um, will they take it? They don't take many cases, but this one might present some issues that they might want to weigh in on. And Drew Peterson has been in the news uh, a lot lately. Is is there any possibility he could get a new trial? I don't see how that could be. Um, he's claiming ineffective assistance of counsel. He said his former lawyer, Joel Brodsky, who's since uh, lost his law license, told him he shouldn't testify and would not let him testify. Well, you know... Drew Peterson had a whole cadre of lawyers. He had Joe Lopez, who represented a lot of the mob figures. He had Steve Greenberg, who represented R. Kelly. He had Ralph Metchek, who is a very, very good criminal defense lawyer, and a couple of others. So I think that argument is going absolutely nowhere. And finally, two African-American students have been charged with a misdemeanor of theft of services for publishing uh, a parody in the student newspaper that was critical of the school's position on the war in Gaza. It, it, wouldn't this parody be protected under the First Amendment? This one really bothers me. Yeah, I, I mean, first of all, you know, yeah, it should be. And parodies have typically been protected from copyright and all kinds of uh, laws because, you know, you want to encourage people to make fun of things and to pick, you know, be critical of, of whomever. So um, I just don't understand why the police are using their resources when there's so much crime going on, uh, you know, to prosecute these two kids who were just trying to make a statement. And the, the, the theory is that they committed theft uh, of services, which really means that they just took they took something and made it their own and, and held themselves out as the owners of it. That is just a stretch. I, I can't believe that the administration of Northwestern lent itself to this. And I know a bunch of students, so 600 or more students, got together and signed a petition to try to get these charges dropped. But absolutely, I think, I think this is a case that um, is, is protected under the First Amendment. Lots to talk about in the legal world, and Karen Conti will be doing just that on WGN Radio Sunday afternoon between 2.30 and 5. Thank you, Karen. Have a good day. You too, Bob.